Hey listeners, another episode of Unverified Accounts coming for you. I'm Chris here with Liza and Philip. What's up, guys? Hello. What's up? Well, if you like us, please remember to subscribe, leave us a glowing five-star review, and recommend us to all your friends. We're recording a little bit earlier in the week than usual because Philip has a, a weekend trip planned, so he won't be here this weekend, so we're recording earlier. And we had this whole episode idea planned uh, because of the goddamn Mahjong thing that happened yesterday, which we'll get to later. But Philip, why don't you tell us about your upcoming cottage trip? Uh, I am going to the cottage for like three days to read books and isolate. <laughs> As you know, I've been unemployed for two weeks on purpose, and I've been trying to like, you know, figure out what I'm doing next. And a lot of that is like books I have to read that I that I'm interested in, but I haven't really put much time into. So this is a nice way to isolate. And there's actually snow up there, unlike in the city. So gonna enjoy. Hey, well, that what's on your too. reading list? Oh, a bunch of like books on like climate change and green green tech and stuff. So <laughs> not that exciting. Oh, okay. Cheerful yeah. stuff. Yeah, I know. Very cheerful. Okay, and through the magic of podcast editing, we're gonna whoop, banish Philip for a little bit because we are recording this days after we recorded the original pod. Because really, as we were recording um, the original pod, the whole outbreak of protesters, rioters, whatever you want to call them, at Capitol was happening. And we gave some, we were riffing on it a bit, but really it was just starting. We really had no idea what was going on. So we thought maybe we should um, let some time pass before we offer any commentary. So just want to say we, everyone's talking about it. So it's not like we're just purposely ignoring it, but you know, it happened. Uh, if you want to hear about it, as I said, everyone else is talking about it. So I don't think you need to really hear us rehash the same thoughts. Right, Liza? Yeah, I mean, we, we, when we recorded the episode, it was like early in the afternoon on Wednesday, January 6th. And um, the news had just broken about the events on Capitol Hill. And we all were watching it while we were talking about while we were having our conversation. But our thoughts are just so nebulous and we're still processing everything that's going on. I think that what needs to happen later on, like you don't need to, you don't need a recap of what happened, right? We, mm. Everyone knows what happened at this point. I mean, even my my kids' elementary school put out an official statement condemning the rioters. But I think that maybe later on we'll we'll think about things um, like the the transition from a de- a global war on terror to a domestic war on terror under the Biden administration and what that means and um, what what is like there's like such fracturing on the left of just like those who are pro suddenly pro-law and order and suddenly pro-censorship that I have a major problem with that. And I think, yeah, that I mean, I think um, it reveals that they, all along there were the more moderate types who always believed in th- these institutions momentarily. They expressed frustration at them because they didn't perceive them to be on their side anymore. But now they're back to their old ways. But you're right. We should say that for another episode. I bet people are kind of tired of hearing about it. If you're listening to this pod, maybe you want an escape. So we're going to bring Philip right back in and go into the topic that inspired this episode. It happened yesterday. It's the latest cultural appropriation outrage. And it <laughs> latest happened and greatest. Be- <laughs> it happened because these this trio of white women uh, came up with something called the Mahjong line. And it was like this bougie upscale version with kind of like these cutesy tiles and you know, way too much backstory, you know, uh, it's all very aspirational lifestyle Instagram bullshit. And um, it sparked a lot of outrage, uh, especially among Asian Americans. And I, I think it's, all this cultural appropriation stuff it really warrants uh, a deeper dive because it's always the same cycle, right? I mean, Philip, you keep making this point. It's always something comes up, everyone gets huffy and puffy and mad. And then somebody issues an apology but then there's no follow-up. And, and Liza, you also pointed out how, you know, after like the Chipao thing, all these Asian Americans claim that, you know, the, the Chipao was such a sacred part of our tradition and had to be protected. Yet after all that blew over, uh, I don't, you know, you say you didn't really see any newfound uh, appreciation and wearing. Yeah, I not anyone uh, wearing it at their weddings yeah, or anything. So it, and like, it's just, or, to, or like reclaiming it by wearing it to their own proms. No, they're all still wearing Western dress. Right. So it's just these rage fests that just, it's the same again and again. So I think, so I think this warrants uh, a look under the surface. We have various theories about all the various different demographics that are motivated to come out hard against this cultural appropriation, including non-Asians. So uh, I think let's 
go into that. But before we start, let's put it clear out there. This Mahjong Line thing is pretty ridiculous in a very comedic way. And I think to start off, we should all take this quiz together. Uh, it's a seven-part <laughs> quiz on which like $500 set is right for you based on based on like your personality type. So I will give you the first question. If you could have one person as a guest at your dinner table, who would you choose? And you have three choices. Number one, Notorious RBG. <laughs> number two, Julia Child. And number three, Tina Fey. And Why that, is Julia Child in there? Yeah, but that just tells you exactly what, who it's for, who's making this. I mean, you can, the picture just, you know, it's so clarified just by that. So when I took this test, I picked Julia Child. What about you guys? I guess I'll pick Julia Child because she doesn't really fit in the the other two. I picked Tina Fey. I like 30 Rock. So I know she's got some like whatever terrible racist things in her past, but I don't care. I like Tina Fey. Does she really? I, I don't know. I Th- think she so. Like, yeah. I mean, I think, I, I, I think, aren't they just kind of like not that bad, but like. Yeah, it's now, not that bad, but it's like, yeah. you know, people don't know. Yeah. I, I, I know what you mean, Chris, like reading that first question, seeing the three choices, you're like you know precisely who this is for and you kind of wonder like if anyone else who was not in that group of you know becky style influencers came to this website like what would they think <laughs> of this survey but yeah. yeah all right question two if you were given the power of time travel where would you go a to a night at studio 54 b the future is where it's at on a spaceship and number three to a country field in France in the 1880s where Mary Cassatt, Monet, and Renoir are engrossed in their newest paintings. <laughs> I can tell what they want us to pick. I picked a spaceship. <laughs> I guess I guess the first one, Studio 54. I, I, for, I looked at that. I was like, what the hell is Studio 54? Can you tell us what Studio 54 is, Liza? It's a disco club from the that 70s. famous disco cl- Yeah. Okay, well, New not York that City. famous then. I don't know it. Um, and then, like, my eyes glazed over. I didn't even read the second one, the spaceship, which is, I guess, what I would have chosen. But I chose um, the third one because I'm an art history buff. So, all right, okay. Why. I, I picked I picked the the impressionist option then. Okay, great. Question three: An ideal vacation day is a grabbing an espresso and croissant on the way to the a Clignan Core flea market in Paris. B pre drinks at the Hotel San Jose Courtyard in Austin for South by South. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, San Jose? South by Southwest? It's uh, San Jose Hotel. It's, it's you know, the Austin Penis, that neon sign? No, but... No. Okay. It's, it's okay. on SoCo, South Congress Avenue. I used to live in Austin. Um, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. And then C, hiking to a secret waterfall in Moab, Utah. I picked I picked the Paris one. Um, croissant sounds pretty good. I'll I don't know go what that Austin, flea market is. I but. guess. I picked the first one because I think I've literally done that like i literally had a croissant and went to that flea market in paris okay all right so. majority rules moab right. is beautiful but i don't like hiking so mm. <laughs> all right fourth question only one band singer for the rest of your life a Joni mitchell b leon bridges three willie nelson i picked Joni mitchell i don't know who leon bridges is at I, and i've never yeah. heard a willie nelson song willie nelson willie nelson okay majority rules Begrudgingly. all right this is the funniest question uh dream decorator one kelly <laughs> Wurstler, i think Two Pearson Ward, three Miles Red. I had no idea. Who I have no idea who any of those people were. are. No idea. I just picked the first one because I thought her last name sounded a bit interesting. But Liza, do you know anything about these people? I only know who the first one is, so I'll pick the first one. All right, majority rules. First one: stranded on a desert island, and you only have one movie: The Royal Tenenbaums, The Sound of Music, or Dazed and Confused. I picked The Sound of Music. Sound of Music. Uh, which one is it? Oh, The Royal Tenenbaums? I picked that one, yeah. Okay. Sound of Music wins. All right, last one. What's your theme song? Lovely Day, Daydream Believer, or Eye of the Tiger? I picked Daydream Believer because uh, Monkey's all right. I don't know what the first song is, and I, What's I the first song the again? Lovely Day. Lovely Day? Oh, by um, uh, Bill Withers. I think so. Uh, okay, I picked that I've one. Never heard That's that a nice song. I picked that one then. Okay, Lovely Day wins. All right, let's see what we are <laughs> collectively. No, 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 not what you are, what you should spend your money on, right? Oh, the botanical gal, which is what I got too uh, when I did it on my own. So what is, describe it. She's a master at teasing the senses, loves her matcha tea, miles red, vintage portrait paintings, and smothering <laughs> her nose in peonies. Her style is timeless, but with a twist to keep you guessing. A Francophile at heart, a walk down Magazine Street is her perfect day. She believes in well-planned overindulgences in design, food, and drink. She has strong opinions and listens well. Whatever she sets her mind to, she succeeds with gusto. Mm-hmm. Wow, I feel so seen. Yeah. 
for a low, low price of $425, uh, there's the botanical line Paris pink release that we may buy. <laughs> wow, they know Got me it. so well. Got it. <laughs> All right. This is so stupid. I think we should give him credit for being entertaining. Like, so bad, it's entertaining. Uh, you know, that quiz was fun, I thought, uh, for all the wrong reasons. But, of course, people were absolutely outraged. They thought this was, like, you know, the, the crime of the century. And, yeah, as I said, let's let's dig into what's going on here. Um, so, who was made pissed off about this? So, I think there are two groups that can be legitimately pissed off. One is, if you're actually in this business, like, if you are, a, like, a Mahjong manufacturer or designer and uh you know you're like you know just getting by and then these these women swoop in and and all that you have perfect right to to get pissed off. i saw zero people in that category tweeting about this so but please go on the the huge mahjong artisan industry you know (laughs) right and secondly i think there are like asian americans who've you know, even when they were young, um, you know, they actually played mahjong. They're they're very connected to it on some level, and you know, didn't give in p- to peer pressure when they were younger at rejecting all this. They too have a legit legit uh, claim to being angry. But again, this was also probably- haven't met any of those people. <laughs> okay, so I, I want to actually comment on that because I I actually tweeted like how many people you know were embarrassed about their families playing mahjong and now are angry about this. I actually went around and asked a few people on Twitter like if they had played when they played how recently and mm-hmm. there's there's like a, a bunch of positive answers and i think in addition to that there's a bunch of people who like definitely talked about you know they're like lola their their aunt or grandma or, or mom playing this you know in in the back room in in their distant past or near future and like i think that's legitimate i think there are some people who have that closer connection to it but I, I don't think it's i'm not convinced it's everybody right i'm not convinced that everybody is outraged because they play regularly and this is this is being stolen from them in some way no. Yeah, this is, I think, an excuse to unload uh, all sorts of anger. So let's break down on what we think that anger might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tweeted this. I think a lot of the anger is actually redirected, displaced anger at ourselves because from the moment we were born, we probably grew up with this, whether it's food, clothes, dance, um, whatever. Uh, and we had a chance to embrace it, but I would say a lot, maybe even most of us rejected it because there was a lot of peer pressure to do so. We wanted to fit in and all that. And now that the tables have turned and those things are kind of in now, we are lamenting the fact that we gave up a potential like years head start of not only like just appreciating this uh, for our personal you know, fun and all that, but also on a purely economic level, we could have built brands, we could have had you know, empires of Mahjong and cheap house and all that, but we didn't. And we feel angry at ourselves for not doing that. We feel ashamed at ourselves for caving in so easily, but uh, we, but we don't really want to blame ourselves. So we got to find a target and there's no target easier right now than the type of uh, white, (laughs) to put it frankly, who, who did this. This is like the, the shallow kind of sorority girl uh, influencer crowd. There was this picture. So I think the guy who started it, He's a GQ writer named Chris Garoyali. Uh, I didn't oh think he was... Oh my... Now it's my turn to make fun of you. Oh, why? <laughs> For bastardizing this poor Filipino guy's name. Yeah, yeah, I thought oh, it was no. Filipino, yeah. Go ahead, can't... go ahead. How, anyway, how, do you, um, how do you pronounce it, Liza? Gayomali? That's, oh, okay, right. that's definitely not what Chris said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, that guy, I think... If you were my dad, originator. it'd be like Gayomali. <laughs> Nice. I think he was the one who originally tweeted it and he had like four screenshots of, you know, various things from their website. One of them is like this barbecue and I think everybody affiliated with this company is there and it does really look like a sorority barbecue. Mm-hmm. Everyone there's white, they're, they just have that like autumn girl look. Um, everyone knows what I'm talking about. So, you know, this is an easy target for everybody across the board, uh, including other white women, to attack right now. Sure. And I think uh, Asian Americans, I think we are angry and ashamed of ourselves what do you guys think okay it's a little there's a little bit more like context needed here this is much more complicated right because like what about other plc who grew up wanting to fit in like did they also have the same pressures to discard their you know cultural baggage or whatever it was in order to fit in with whiteness because i think that asian americans are like uniquely self-hating around some of these (laughs) cultural touchstones i'm using that term like like, but literally that. that's what it yeah. is right like think about black yeah. folks and like latino folks and so on like like you know white people have tried to appropriate 
like black culture in some sense, like think about rap music, right? Like Eminem getting pushed back when he became a rapper, but they never really succeeded, right? Like black folks still um, uh, managed to do very well on that front of owning that piece of their culture. At the same time, though, I don't think that they were necessarily made to feel embarrassed about that in the way that Asians have been made to feel embarrassed about maybe the way we dress, our accents, you know, uh, our stinky food or whatever. So it's a little bit more complicated, right? Like I wanted to ask you, like, aside from just fitting in, like, why did we not embrace it? I think it's because like whiteness has kind of made our shit look bad to us and mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. we fell for it, right? Yeah, I so, think that Asians have been surrounded more, by more white people than any other minority has. Mm. Like just, just from a critical mass of, of like a, a dominant culture pushing down on your own culture. Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of us grew up in um, a lot of us grew up where like not in an enclave and around mostly mm-hmm. white people, mm-hmm. and then the other Asians that we knew were pretty much doing the exact same thing. Was just just like I don't know, learning how to play lacrosse and like tennis and like buying clothing from like Abercrombie or some bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philip, you said like, why would other minorities join in on this hate no 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 no. that's not that's not what i'm asking i'm saying like i'm asking like why do asians in particular like dislike our stuff this much when other groups other poc don't seem to dislike their culture as oh, much okay. right oh yeah i, I think it's, it's like a lack of establishment yeah there's no asian american culture to cling to it's not like black american culture or even like latinos you okay, know, so you're saying like distinct- almost, almost literally being a smaller population is part of it. Yeah, not not only yeah. a smaller population, but also with such a new population, there was nothing to look mm, yeah, to true. as as a model to follow. Because we were really the like second generation. You were the first ones to be born here, and you kind of had to make up everything on your own. So there was no predecessor to emulate, to look at as examples, to aspire to. Uh, so yeah, I think that's it. Okay, that's, that's what makes Asian Americans different from a lot of other groups. I, I also think that like the the way that like Asian Asianness, Asian things like you know food, language, culture, whatever, clothing, um, it has this particular like it's been positioned as embarrassing. Like that's how white people have positioned it in their media, right? Like even just the characters that are played out and the the the, the ways we're dressed and so on. Even all the like. All the all the um, propaganda, like the yellow peril propaganda, back to the eighteen hundreds, has been. It has always been positioned as like very othered, right? And so I think that's part of why we're embarrassed of it and like lost our chance at, at claiming it uh, way back. Yeah. So that's the broader Asian Americans. I also think this is because okay. So Asian Two X is the main subreddit for Asian American women. Uh, it's a very dead subreddit. There's really no activity there. The only time there is kind of a spike in activity is is when they're hating on Asian guys who hate on uh, WMAF couples. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this, even before this hit the uh, Asian American subreddit, which is the the main Asian American space on Reddit, this story hit Asian 2X first. It's now got, I think, almost 200 upvotes, like like 70 plus upvotes. comments on it and i think we do have to address this is a very gendered thing i look i can't help but notice that the the string of especially actually not just asian just like string of cultural appropriation accusations are almost against women you know whether it's you know lucky lee was i think a white woman who started that that shop toronto that bone broth shop you know i was not surprised to learn you know once you look at that instagram it, it was like a it's like the, the one who started it looked like this white female Pilates instructor. You know, th- this is like the demographic that is in this Instagram influencer type space where they are, you know, making like small batch broth or, you know, artisan crafts for sale on Etsy in which, or, or makeup, in which a lot of this like a- allegation of cultural appropriation is so easily. Uh, so can I say something about the Lucky yeah, sure. Lee thing? So the Lucky Lee thing, I think, is um, a little bit different because she actively put down Chinese food, like saying it's she, her take is clean Chinese food. Yeah, it wasn't. So it, that, wasn't, that's where the difference is. Yeah, I think that, that was an interesting one because for me, like these cultural appropriation things, it always comes down to like, was there actually offense 
lobbied at Asian people. If there wasn't, and like you know, white folks are just making Asian food, like whatever. But if there was some offense, like in the case of Lucky Lee's, like you're saying, then that's an issue. And she was, I don't, I wouldn't say she was explicit, but she definitely like implied heavily that Chinese food is dirty and this is the clean version. In the same way that there was some language in this mahjong like marketing that implied that like the Asian, like the Chinese version was like boring, like you know, like not in, you know lacking sophistication maybe lacking like modern cool and that they've made a cooler version of it because it's pastel pink now right okay but see i don't really buy that though because remember with the cheap pal thing there was no put down of the cheap pal she just wore it and that i think was the biggest explosion of all so i think it's definitely made worse when they okay so like the marketing for this mahjong thing is pretty bad um i'll, I'll just see if i can read some of the I mean, they said stuff like, oh, they implied that the game was kind of boring, but they, they like spiced it up with their cool modern designs. Yeah. And yeah, so it was obviously not just, a, you know, hey, we just made it. There was stuff that made it worse. But I think even if they didn't do that, I think the sight of these three influencer looking sorority girl, white girls hawking Mahjong would have still triggered people uh, to the to like the high heavens. Sure, and they, they look precisely like the woman who is responsible for the, the bone broth in Toronto, right? Like, it's the same yeah, look. Yeah, it's the same type, and I think that's what people are truly mad at. I think there's a lot of kind of middle school, junior high angst being dug up. And I'm not saying that that's, that's not warranted. That's all it ever is. Yeah, I'm not saying that's not warranted, and, and these, like, mean white girls don't deserve critique, but I think people don't really want to say that Are they mean white girls, or are they just white girls? Is there a difference sometimes? <laughs> are they? Yeah, I mean, I not, okay, I think no, there, is. there is a difference, right? Because maybe they're mean in our minds and in middle school, but they're not mean here. They're just trying to make a buck on some some bullshit. I don't think they're being right, but I think there's this feeling that uh, just them doing this is uh, them intruding on my turf. So this so, is yeah, okay. I so mean, yeah. like, <laughs> you know, it's possible that these women, these white women, might know more about playing mahjong than a lot of us. I guarantee you a ton of Asian American kids that are screaming about like cultural appropriation. You're like intruding on my culture. You're erasing me. They don't know how to play Mahjong. Right. I don't know how yeah. to play Mahjong. Yeah. Cause ultimately it is not about Mahjong. This could have been the most obscure game that nobody's yeah. ever played. And it, it's all about like, okay, my identity and culture is finally cool. Now only I may use it to advance myself socially uh professionally whatever uh and, and that's what it's all about um yeah it's because asian americans yeah you can say we did it first or like we invented it but in i mean in a lot of cases white people in america get to say yeah but we're the ones that made it cool you didn't right you abandoned it long ago for our shit you were <laughs> screaming about more diversity and inclusivity and like white ass sports like lacrosse so <laughs> While you were doing that and your backs were turned, we were learning how to play mahjong and enjoying it. Yeah, maybe, yeah. I think I think that's kind of at the heart of this. What I think is like a meta problem of like the post-Trump age for Asian Americans is like not related to necessarily Trump, but like around the same time, Asian shit got really cool. Like mostly, you know, Asian Asian stuff, like stuff from abroad, namely like Korea, you know, soft power stuff that uh, like our parents and grandparents would be like, into. Yeah, well, Southeast that, Asian but, food. But like, I just, I just meant like mahjong. It's, it's like when you think about it in your head, you tend to think of like old people playing it. Yeah, maybe it's been picked up almost not ironically, but as like a kitschy kind of interesting niche thing to get into. I, I agree, Liza. Like, it's possible that these white girls may be way better or know much more about the game, the rules of the game, how to play it well than like the average Asian American man or woman. Um, I'll be honest. But- I, I grew up around a lot of Jewish people. Like where I live in. In Baltimore, there's like tons and tons of Russian immigrants who are Jewish. I saw more Jewish people playing Mahjong than I did Asian people. I was going to say, like, I was actually just going to get on that topic of like, there is a huge, there was a huge, wasn't is a huge, um, you know, group of uh, a community of Jewish Mahjong players. And yeah, someone uh, on Twitter posted a really nice thread kind of disseminating the, the history of that. And I didn't see, like, do we think of Jewish people as white people? That's a completely different topic. It comes up all the time, right? Yeah, but I mean, like, yeah, they are. I mean, unless you get to, like, the, the super white nationalist discourse, yeah, they're white people. Sure, okay. But, like, if you were to see, you know, uh, instead of the three blonde, whatever, like, autumn-style Yeah, what Instagram if you saw, like, Orthodox Jews? 
not even Orthodox Jews, just like contemporary Jewish women who like, you know, like they're not blonde, they're brunette or whatever, right? They like wear plain like the headdress, you mean? Like those? I don't, I'm not even saying like going that deep into tradi- traditional garb. I'm saying the aesthetic is just different from like the Becky style influencer. I think the outrage would be different. And also like, you know, the Jewish folks are a protected class to some extent uh, in the social media sphere. You, you, you can't have Asian men and women like lobbying, you know, these like mm-hmm. not death threats, but like, you know, threats of claims of cultural appropriation at them. It's, it's just, it doesn't play out the same way. Right. I see. Yeah. So I think what Philip is saying is that it's not just that they're white or that white women, but it's a particular type of white woman. If they look like yeah. uh, three Jewish women who, who work for like Bronx public defenders, you know, people will probably get mad, but not as much. I mean, I tweeted that if these th- the three pe- white people who created this game look like the three trailer park boys, nobody would have cared as much. And I, I think that, yeah, I think that's what the same vein as Philip is saying. Like we're not so much trying to defend culture here. I, I think people should get off the pretense of that. We're more like trying to just protect our social identities and social turf from what we perceive as a major social threat. In other words, kind of like high class, uh, attractive white women. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's anger at themselves because um, anger. It's anger at. Asian Americans who are mad at this are mad at themselves because they're always behind in deciding what's cool and what isn't cool. So when they see these like three conventionally attractive, like influencer type of white women, it's like, oh, so this group still gets to decide what's cool. Yeah. And that's what pisses. I mean, my grandmother has been into this for like, I don't know, for like ever. Yeah. But it's like, why your grandmother? Why not you? (laughs) Exactly. That's what I'm saying too. It's like, well, why didn't you get into it? But, but here's when your the thing, grandmother I, was playing. Actually, why didn't you get into it? Why did you play lacrosse instead? Why did you play tennis? I actually don't. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a great question. I actually, but I actually don't agree with you too that it's the like Asian Americans are mad at ourselves. They are still mad at the white people. It's just a little bit kind of like it just it just lacks introspection as to why we got to this place in the first place. And then the the better question is, what do we fucking do with that? with that information and, and with this, with these situations that come up. Right. Cause I think they uh, credit where credits do then like white people will double down on their unpopular interests, like yeah. Daft Punk, Dungeons and Dragons, comic books, they'll double down until they finally gain in popularity. And then they get the credit while also capitalizing on it. Meanwhile, uh, Asian Americans have historically abandoned anything that marked them as like too Asian and therefore uncool only to just get pissed off for not being the ones to introduce it to the mainstream. It's like, it's always white people that introduces this stuff to the mainstream. But going back to what I was saying earlier about like Asian interests being and Asian culture being particularly like presented as embarrassing by the white kind of mass media, this apply like these interests are racialized as well, right? Like I always think about how like, (laughs) there's this funny phenomenon that I've been following of how like black guys are really into Dragon Ball Z. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, yeah. Um, yeah but there's yeah. quite a few black nerds into Dragon Ball Z, and when I look at that and I look at that community, and I've, I've met some of these people, like it comes off as like okay and maybe even kind of cool, right? But when you hear about an Asian guy or whatever being interested in like Dragon Ball Z or like you know shonen anime, like it comes off as nerdy. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know if that's because like the Asian guys like don't have enough kind of confidence around it and the black guys do. I don't know if that's the case, but it is somewhat racialized, right? And that's yeah, kind of Yeah, it's, I mean, this is the whole point of problem with the cultural appropriation thing. Like, we don't value our thing until other people do. And then we get upset that they value it because now we're like stuck kind of like in a time loop where we, we, it was only cool after they validated it and now we want to monopolize it. But by then it's too late because People have already Someone liked it so much that did, yeah. yeah, they have their own sauce lines and I'm saying that that's that's not like entirely like it's not just entirely Asians to blame. It's it's that the you know, the white dominant culture has pushed this narrative and we've followed along. Like it's 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 very unfortunate. You do want to fit in when you're in middle school. You know, you do you don't want to stand out. And so if people tell you that like, you know, your your dresses and your games and your your uh, you know, food and music is embarrassing you're going to kind of try to comply with that. I don't think they've said that in the same way to black folks or Latino folks. But again, maybe because those folks have been around for longer, their communities have a, a stronger, you know, soft power within America. Certainly with, with blacks, yes, they've been around yeah. longer. Yeah, and they managed to capitalize quite a bit on, you know, hip hop, for example, right? Biggest, biggest genre in music right now. 
Um, but that took time to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of mixed, man. Like, I think the thing I keep coming back to is we talked about this when the bone broth thing happened. I was like, this is all very unfortunate. I kind of understand like the the grief that Asians have with like white folks doing this, but like you had to kind of look at it at the end of the day, like net net, what is the outcome, right? The outcome is that maybe a small business was shut down, maybe not, right? Maybe they just do their apology and they, they keep on running it. And a bunch of Asians are pissed off. But the other kind of net result is that we end up making a lot of people, white people, and I think not just white people, but like, you know, people who are a little bit tired of the standard, like liberal SJW kind of line of thinking. Even other Asians. Even other Asians. Yes. We've seen a lot of tweets uh, from Asians like reacting, like me. <laughs> including ourselves. Yeah. Reacting uh, negatively towards the, the, uh, the Pomajan thing. But we have people who are basically thinking, man, like these fucking Asians are annoying as fuck. And that's the net outcome of the outcome. Because outrage. they are because they are annoying. Yeah. It is extremely to- annoying. Even as someone who's Asian, like I look at this stuff and I'm embarrassed all over again. Cause I'm just like, why can't you just take pride in what was yours to begin with? And you wouldn't be here embarrassing yourselves. And the reason it's particularly annoying is that it's so inconsistent because I would actually be kind of down with this whole extreme cultural protectionism stuff if I really got a genuine sense that the type of Asian Americans who are loudest about this, you know, the, the whole like blue check uh, performative crowd really were kind of ride or die Asian types, but yeah. often they're not. Cause in you know, like if, if you like look at the kind of stuff they like and you know, who they usually hang out with or whatever, they're often trying to seek white acceptance anyway. And they put on this front that they're fierce, you know, guardians of Asian culture when it's time for them to rant against like their their social enemies. But in, in other areas of life, they, I mean, I bet they're the ones who often when some uh, Asian grandma or grandpa gets attacked, uh, especially by another minority, they start, uh, you know, peddling the self-blame. Oh, you know what? Maybe they should have like checked their Asian privilege. I bet those are the, those are probably a lot of overlap there. So, oh, you're, you're so, you're going to defend a fucking Mahjong set, but you're not going to actually defend the Asian people. It's just, that's that's what makes them really irritating. Yeah, that that's a perpetual issue. I think you're right that it like it would it would make more sense that they were, you know, fully committed to, uh, you know, pro Asian concerns, pro like pro Asian culture and so on. It's not always the case. I do think though that there are some folks again in the last four years who have become who changed their mindset and have become kind of reformed self haters. You know, like you didn't <laughs> like yourself at one point, but now you kind of like are going all in on Asianness, and then you're using this as another way to kind of push that forward but even then in those cases i don't think there's a lot of like progress is made like what what do you what do you guys think is like a better outcome aside from just outrage on the internet maybe getting a business shut down and then giving yourself a pat on the back right like what what is a better outcome like how do you how would you like asian americans to react to cultural appropriation like this oh uh, well for this modern thing i think first of all was worth uh maybe a quarter of a day's of worth of Twitter jokes because it was really funny. I had a good time, you know, just making fun of these people, if only in my head. Um, because, I mean, look at how they're marketing to. This is not competing with any, you know, Chinatown uh, game manufacturer. I mean, they're charging like up the wazoo for these sets that only other people like them would buy. So it's not even like a market competition if you mm-hmm. if you want to make this an issue of business. Mm-hmm. Um I really, it's just embarrassing how they make it so personal. They drag out every sob story about how they didn't feel cool growing up. And if you look at the bone broth thing, that actually negatively affected the like the so-called good Asian pho shop mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that got hate for by people who thought they had put up whoever propagated that claim against the white-owned bone broth shop. Mm-hmm. And luckily, I think they were able to patch things up, the two shops. And and this is like during the fucking so massive global depression. And for you to put these businesses at risk for your unresolved angst from school days is just fucking embarrassing. And Philip, you're right. It'll make people, rightfully so, take us less and less seriously. Especially mm-hmm. when our own behavior is, is often contrary to this image we put ourselves of these, as I said, these fierce guardians of our culture. Often we're not. Yeah, the behavior, Chris, is um, 
It matches something we talked about a few podcasts back where it's like the behavior is um, completely contradictory because it's like Asians have long said that, you know, we don't want to take part in, partake in any white culture, but like based on the popularity of like race bent TV shows and movies, it looks like white culture is absolutely what Asian Americans want to be a part of. Exactly. You know what I hate so much hearing from these like so-called progressive types when they say things like white people have no culture. I mean, not only is it just like that's what I'm saying. They say that white people have no culture. Offensive. We don't. We don't. You don't have anything for us to take from you. And it's like, then what's with all the race bending bullshit? <laughs> exactly. I mean, but I mean, you are face, so just... desperate to be a part of it. Like white people definitely have culture, and that's exactly the kind of culture that Asian Americans want to be a part of. That's what pisses me off. Yeah, exactly. I mean, first of all, as I said, it's so rude to say any people don't have culture that that is just, I think, just over the line. Don't say that about anyone. And secondly, yeah, their, their, your actual behavior just shows you how full of shit you are. And it's such an extreme statement that just shows you how much you actually worship white culture that you have to perform so extremely to um, to say that. It's like people who say things like, you know, I, I, can't, I refuse to listen to, to Beethoven because that's like, uh, imperialist <laughs> bullshit. You're, Shout you out sound, to VTN. You sound like, um, like a drug addict who's in withdrawal, and you, and you can't even come a mile within, uh, you know, opium or you know, cocaine or something. You're like, no, just that's the greatest uh way to equalize the playing field. It's not by putting out these bullshit extreme. Uh, statements that your behavior immediately uh, disqualifies anyway, is to just be able to enjoy something like that the way you enjoy everything else. I can listen to rap music and, and not for a second want to be black. But then I, I listen to like, I don't know, Oasis and suddenly I want to be British. I mean, that just shows you <laughs> what your uh, predilection was anyway. That you, yeah, that yeah. Wanting mm-hmm. to be British is something you have to actively resist so hard that you can't even enjoy British music. <laughs> It's ridiculous, and it just betrays your actual uh, inclinations. Okay, that was that was a very good, very good uh, monologue. But you still have not answered my question. Oh yeah, what was your <laughs> like, question again? My question was, what do you actually want people to do about this? Do you want do you want them to basically like not react to like egregious or even semi egregious forms of cultural appropriation? Or there is would there a, be a, a lot of power in not reacting to it the way they are reacting to it, which is like reacting in a more positive way. Like be supportive of the women who are trying to sell match on tiles. Far to be supportive of it. I'm <laughs> just saying that, like, you know, uh, I don't know. There, there's a there is a way to do like a reverse psychology to make it look like um, to make it look like you're patronizing white people who exactly. Oh, like yeah. you can, we can you can widely share it and say, oh, look, like you know, it's nice to see other folks who have like maybe lackluster cultures come in find something that's actually of value and try to propagate it amongst their own groups. We applaud these women who are trying to spread the great game of Mahjong. Is that like what you mean? or Yeah, something along those lines. I think that there's more bit, power in doing something like that. A little bit backhanded, but like yeah, still yeah. kind of positive yeah. and mm-hmm. r- really maintaining the kind of position of like power to some extent. Yeah, instead of looking so butthurt and insecure. <laughs> that's fair. You're erasing fair. me. Like, no, we're not. No, they're well, because- not. Because... I mean, I guarantee you this business venture probably would have failed anyway because it's so ridiculous. Who is actually... No one's going to buy it for $400. No, 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 no. But maybe maybe it's not going to fail. Maybe there actually is a large group. Like maybe it's like this, you know, white Becky, like new trend to play Mahjong. And we didn't bother to look into that. We just thought it was outrageous that they're selling it. But really, there's a ton of people who actually play this game and, and really enjoy it and are better at playing it than we are. Maybe that's true. We don't... But it just starts with outrage and ends with outrage. There's no introspection or like really any kind of like engagement with the people who are trying to get into this in any way whatsoever right yeah the, so you know remember how we said we actually haven't heard from anyone who might materially be harmed by this like if you were a competitor in this market and you were really you know trying to work hard to make your uh, a name for yourself on etsy or instagram and you weren't getting any traction and then uh this trio shows up and suddenly they're racking up endorsements left and right Hey, if that's actually happening, then yes, logic some kind of like public complaint and be like, hey, you know, we're here. We've been doing this a long time. Our stuff's actually better, more reasonably priced. Why are these sure. why are these gals getting all this attention? But as we said, those aren't the people bringing this up. It's all these like very loosely uh, tangentially related people using this as a platform to air out their their grievances uh, that are. It's barely the food outrage crowd. Yeah. And this is like the one area or one of the very few areas in which Asian Americans have legitimacy in just lashing out. It's mm-hmm. interesting that 
both Wait, this. Wait, do they? Do they though? I think so. At least in the, in you know, I I saw this get rid up in like you know New York Post in in New York Magazine. Um, you know, Asians. You know, we can't. It's hard for us to complain about stuff in in terms of being allowed to. This seems to be one of the few areas that we get uh, some credibility. Um, and I think it's also interesting to note that both this and the Chipao incident, the the people who actually seem to have started it were Asian men. And I'm wondering if that's because the a lot of Asian guys have guys? that too. But I think maybe Asian guys have all this like anger and angst build up, but we can't express it in any way. So we're like, okay, good. This is like the one way we're allowed to do it. Um, and and the people we're targeting are these are these these like these white girls that pretty much everyone hates anyway. We're gonna look good. Yeah, that's to what I'm Asian saying. They're women. woke fishing. It's like right, I can right. look super progressive by like, you know, tearing down these white women who I know that everyone's mad at anyway. Yeah. And and some of it can just can get really because like you go online and then I see some some guys, like Asian guys like, oh I, I was walking by the street and I, I saw this white woman like serving this Asian dish improperly and, and pronouncing it wrong. And like what the hell? Just just give her a break. She's not doing anything to you. Yeah, just like what is this? At the end, it's still like male on female violence. I thought that's not allowed, but in this special occasion, I guess it is. And it just gets really weird, and the dog piling that goes on, especially these days when everyone's bored and don't really have entertainment. Uh, it's just I, I I think in a year or two we're gonna look back and be embarrassed. Hopefully, if we have any conscience. I don't think happen. so because people don't seem to learn. Yeah, that's this has too. been going on for years now, and it just it never stops. It always happens with food. It's usually food. The next the next time this happens, it's going to be over some meal, you know, uh, or Philip, some let restaurant. Me ask, let me ask you: Do you think there is we're reaching like a tipping point where like some massive backlash is going to happen? I mean, I keep waiting for one. Every time I say that we are re- reaching a tipping point, um, it it it's it's not a tipping point. It just like. We get there to the edge, and then I think the it's, edge it's moves. Like, I don't know. The tip, the tipping point is a reputation, right? Like that's that's what I mean when I say the net net effect of this. That like the actual outcome is that people just like hate Asians more and think we're like sensitive little dandelions around like our food and our dresses and our mahjong or whatever. I think that's the issue is that you you then have this reputation where they're like these people are very uptight. They're going to be very sensitive around these things, you know. Um, you know, that might lead to material things like us being kept out of other industries. We're going to become the new Karens if we're not careful. Yeah. See, I don't have a problem with being hated if it's for something cool and righteous, but not for this shit. Not for being seen as like hypocritical tightwads. But the thing is, minute- the people think this, like the people who are outraged about the magical thing, they think they're righteous. They believe they are righteous in some, mm-hmm. some yeah, extent. Problem, right? yeah. So some extent they are righteous, but I just think that like it's they're going about it the wrong way, right? Because it's it's again it drives up to anger, and then there's no other outcome from it. Yeah, right. Because I mean, one minute we're gonna be like, uh, you know, no, no white person can you can even play mahjong, let alone. Uh, manufacture it and then the next day we're gonna be like uh we need asian pride and prejudice you know it's like we're just gonna look <laughs> absolutely ridiculous yeah I, I don't know i mean i there's a lot of different groups that play here i don't know if you know the blue checks and the people who like the race bending movies and whatnot are exactly the same as like the asian guys who got upset about these things in the first place i also by the way don't necessarily think it's about woke fishing i think a lot of these asian guys are just angry because it's easy for anyone to be angry at white beckys like you know like we said earlier um, there's a lot of different but it's things safe at play. to be angry at them is what it is safe is and what that's I was why it, yeah that's why it, it happens it looks good to be angry at them right you know yeah. you're gonna get a a like a, you can you know you're gonna go viral basically by getting angry at them right mm-hmm. um, and you know that if you were angry at white people who were Jewish about this you would get in trouble instead like we're we're kind of aware of these things and in the same way I think that the outcome of this over time is that people are gonna be aware that we Asians have this reputation for being protective of their shit, right? And being unfriendly in that way. And that doesn't really help patch up any any kind of, um, you know, cultural or racial ties. So this is this is actually like the, the thing that, the, the one big cultural appropriation question that's been on my mind for like, I don't know, how long has Ugly Delicious been out? Like two years now? It was actually on the pod that Liza, you and I did with Teen on Ugly Delicious way back, mm-hmm. where, where one thing that I think Teen brought up, which is still a very interesting question is, and we raised it here, like, are we afraid that white people are better at doing the things that we do? 
And I think here in this conversation- uh, If we, we keep we, abandoning and ignoring our own culture, then yes, yeah. they will be. I mean, I yeah. was talking about this with you guys the other night about the whole food thing. Yeah, like what if I mean, what if they just have better chefs, right? And like yeah, Eliza, why don't you elaborate on what's happening, especially in the Filipino American community? Well, yeah, sure. So, um, like for Phil Ams are like so in a, my city, um, there are like three major um Lichon people, and it's like these three Filipino families that do it, and they've been doing it forever. And they basically just do like the smoke pits in their backyard and they sell it right out of their house. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like very word of mouth. You know, they don't have like a commercial space. You kind of just say like, I'm going to buy a lechon. You call them up and they just like say, okay, so bring like $250, pick it up on Sunday and they just hang up on you. (laughs) (laughs) And you just have, you're supposed to know from word of mouth where they live. Now, they're getting older and two of them have already retired. So there's only one left. Now, are Phil Am's going to get pissed off when we have to buy Lichon from a white guy who figured out how to dig up the smoke pits in his backyard and, uh, and he's perfected the technique? Like, If you don't have any intention of doing it yourself and carrying on the tradition, I don't think that you have a right to get mad when someone else learns how to do it and they are not Filipino. They're not of your ethnicity. And I yeah. can actually see this happening in the future because, um, you know, right now I see a lot of a lot of the debates I see in the food world is how many POC executive chefs there are in fine dining. Like I see a lot of that, like decolonized fine dining bullshit talk. And it's like, once again, while all of our heads are turned, there's probably some white guy out there learning how to cook our traditional foods in like some makeshift outdoor kitchen and like digging up smoke pits in his backyard as we speak, they're probably one step ahead of us. Yeah, but again, once again, going back to what I was saying earlier, like white guys have the freedom to do shit like this, right? You know that that saying, that that, that t-shirt that's like, give me the confidence of a mediocre white man? Like that is precisely at play here because not only are they free to just kind of explore what they want. are they really that mediocre though? I mean, it's like, I mean, it just sounds so insecure to be like, they're all mediocre. Or, or in this case, it's the conference of a supposedly mediocre white woman. Right. Uh, but to, Philip, to answer your question, I don't. I think it doesn't even really matter whether the white people are better or not. I think the real issue is them doing it at all. Because I think at the heart of this fear is that once white people do it, they won't need us, and we need this culture thing in order to be to, different and relevant. Yeah. To be yeah. yes, exactly. To be different and relevant enough. Uh, in order to fit into white dominated circles, which is ultimately where we want to end up, despite all this, uh, yeah, you know, true, play acting at, at being cultural defenders. But it's like, well, once white people can make their own mahjong and cook their own um, you know, bone broth yeah. and lechon, they won't really need us. And oh God, what what will we do then? Like uh, hang out uh, amongst ourselves? <laughs> God forbid, right? I, this is why I, my my whole thing is like stop being so reactionary. Stop demanding to be included in already white dominated spaces. Like you decolonize mm-hmm. these white spaces, you're just going to feel stupid later on when you find out white people have taken up an interest in our folk culture and gasp. They probably got pretty good at it while we weren't paying attention. Yeah, and to some extent, we should be flattered, right? Because it's not not because they're white and they're into it, but because hey, it's it's like you know the culture is worth preserving. The culture is cool. The food is tasty, right? Like that's at the core of it. Stuff we've always known. Yeah, stuff we've always known, but we've yeah. abandoned. The thing is, like I'm just, I'm just saying, this is complicated, right? Because again, like white people can freely just do these things. We do not because we've been taught to be embarrassed by it. Further, there's also the issue of like, think about the whole like immigration experience and the whole like immigrant families wanted to keep us away from the kitchen, keep us away from like the the textile shops or whatever, right? Because it's it's hard work that they don't want their kids to do. There, To some extent, I'm not saying blame your parents. I'm saying like they're them trying to make a better life for us is part of what's pushing us away from becoming the pit master for Chinese barbecue or whatever, right? So mm-hmm. it, it, it's, you know, it's not all the blame goes on the angry, you know, second gen Asian Americans. Um, there's this just ongoing struggle to figure out our place here because it's, it's you know, Asian American culture is so new to America, like you said, right? Starting with like immigration in 75 and onwards, really. Um, we 65, haven't figured, yeah. 65, we haven't really figured shit out yet. Right. And so yeah. now we've gotten to this point where our stuff's starting to become interesting. And there's all these interplays of like, you know, who like 
the fact that it wasn't like before until now and like the fact that we weren't always the most popular, but now we are. How do we reconcile that? Unfortunately, the outcome of all that right now is this outrage. I'm saying we can do better than that, right? There's there's something else we can do to like either either get back into it, like get back in the game of cooking Chinese food and being proud of it, um, right? Or or at least be like, you know, this is the other part of the the ugly delicious thing. We're talking about like cultural appropriation is a bit of a problem because it doesn't allow for cultural exchange, right? Yeah. And, and like that, we haven't even talked about that part, but like, if you keep pushing people away from it, how do we do more distinct things with it? Yeah. It's like, you know, you know, that saying like, um, it's better to, you know, let one guilty man go free than, you know, falsely imprison, uh, an innocent person. I mean, that's how I feel about cultural appropriation. If, if, if some annoying, uh, white person does something, um, to me, that's worth the price of overall cultural exchange because that's what I value more. Like, I want uh, great ideas coming from the best people doing the coolest things, uh, etc. Mm-hmm. This this whole like protectionism stuff is just gonna make everything worse, everything mediocre, or even worse than that. And um, w- with regards to you know this Asian American feeling of, uh, you know, I was made to not value my own Asian American culture. I was I'm definitely sympathetic to that, but I think at a certain point you got to own up. To what you did nobody held a gun to your head we did this sure and mm-hmm. it doesn't make us criminals it doesn't make us weak but we did do it and let's own up to it and move on and these tantrums might have been okay maybe five years ago when everyone's kind of getting into the whole social justice thing but come on it's been like five years let's let's do something better and more yeah it does look really stupid to yell at people for actually liking our stuff <laughs> exactly it's, it makes no sense yeah. that, that's what i'm saying I, often I, I think of white people they won't be so confused they're like what the fuck first yeah. you hated us because we wouldn't eat your things right now right. you hate Make us for even, for even showing up you know there'll be like some asians who go to an asian restaurant and be like oh my god this place sucks too many white people and you're like wait a minute you don't even want us eating here we don't get it you know so right uh-huh. let, let's be let's stop let's stop like setting up these in i think we set up these uh, situations where white people can't do anything right. If they come to a restaurant, then they're then they're like Columbusing it. If they don't come to it, they're being racist. And we know it's a trap, and we want it to be a trap because whatever you do, we want to lash out at them because we have all these pent up issues about uh, about them when we were younger, especially. So it's like it's very childish. Get the fuck over it. It's the fear that it's not white people who are erasing our representation. It's that we Asian Americans are the ones who erased ourselves by trying to prove how American we are. Yeah, and all for nothing. All for nothing. Because now our shit's the coolest. All right. One more one more wrench to throw into this situation. Sure. What if the three Becky influencer white women who did this Mahjong set were all dating or married to Asian men? <laughs> Oh god! Now that gets so now it gets next like so time there, on right? unverified like, accounts. <laughs> can can you? Uh, I'm not saying we yeah, answer this. Yeah. I'm just I'm just putting it out there, right? Because this this is how mm-hmm. these things get so complicated. But we, we will we will we will talk about that. We will talk about that. Yeah. Now that I think about it, I, I wonder if that's also a reason why it's easier to go after white women here, because chances are they are not married to an Asian guy, just statistically speaking. Whereas, I, I feel like the type of white guy who would do this probably would have an Asian spouse. Or much yeah, more that's likely, true. that is and very then true. I think, and he would get yelled at for having an Asian spouse. Right, right. And then he... now, now that discussion will get dragged in, and I think that might be another reason why it's easier to attack white women on this thing because chances are they're married they'll to be white super guys. White, um, and they'll, you know, for all their appreciation of Asian culture, they're dating the exact same white male clone they've always dated all their <laughs> lives. You know, so there's no uncomfortable overlap. Um, so I think that's another reason why they make for easy targets. I love the word clone being wielded as an insult. It's great. <laughs> Next week, when this whole Mahjong thing blows over, uh, I do not see Asian Americans suddenly embracing and like playing Mahjong in the park, you know? No, no. They'll like, I don't know, be playing like Settlers of Catan or Codename or... Monopoly, Scrabble, yeah, chess, Mahjong is chess because of uh, what's what's the name of that stupid show that's on right Queen's now? Gambit, yeah, yeah, it's probably going to be a bunch of chess because you know Asian Americans have to follow whatever white people do and not the other way around, and 
Yeah, it's because American media told you so, right? That's the problem. And I feel like there's this, there's got to be like some like secret chat room where all the blue checks uh, convene. There's like a council, emergency council, that's called whenever there's like a safe <laughs> a reason to show Asian American uh, like solidarity. cultural solidarity. It almost I mean, always involves they, food. They, they share and, like, a blacklist and we're all on it. <laughs> well, you so guys are on it. I wouldn't be it, surprised but. if, uh, what? You, you two are on it. I'm not on it. <laughs> One day you can be if you try hard enough, Philip. That's right. If, uh, yeah, so I'm sure that they're, they have like secret chat rooms where yeah. they. Because um, like Jeff Yang came out against this, Angry Asian Man came out against this. And like, that's when you know Jump the Shark and is, is probably totally harmless when, when like those guys are, are chiming in. <laughs> <laughs> Standard outrage. Yeah. yeah and that, that's ultimately uh, another annoying thing. You know how this is, has absolutely no consequences for anyone, really. Um, oh, maybe maybe the maybe the gals who who made this are embarrassed, and maybe their business was fa- will fail. But I, I think it was going to fail anyway. They put out an apology already. Yeah. yeah, I didn't read it though. Yeah, but I don't think the people who would buy that would really care anyway. I mean, you see, it has to be like so weirdly out of touch to buy that kind of stuff that you don't care what the what some like Twitter social justice mob thinks. Uh, probably. Yeah, but uh, but also again, like maybe there is a group of people who buy people who are wealthier, who are probably not going to buy, you know, who prefer to buy this over the whatever sixty five dollar like Chinese made sets. I just but like, let them. fine, like fi- let them, like <laughs> let them engage in your culture, right? Like, yeah, where do just we, let them. where do we get to? How do we spread, you know, knowledge, love, culture, whatever, right? If you don't allow these things to happen. Uh, another point that this was not really about mahjong or even white people making mahjong, but the specific click who was doing this somebody pointed out that i mean obviously white businesses had been manufacturing mahjong for a long time um some of you jewish said businesses there, you mean yeah yeah uh, and, and not only that i think like mainstream uh, like you know uh milton bradley type of companies mm, i think somebody mm-hmm. even pointed out there you know there were like super mario themed mahjong sets yeah. nobody got upset about that and nobody will get upset about that because ultimately nobody's really mad at uh it, it's the specific people who no it's because back then mahjong wasn't cool enough yet to 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 be fought over yeah or like just asian Asian american culture had no value to be protected right so they didn't care because asian americans were too busy like god i don't know what they were doing some whack shit (laughs) some whack american shit 2021 the year we finally have cultural value what do we do with it (laughs) <laughs> we scream about it and we act like petulant children and we pout and we stamp our feet <laughs> is what we do with it really great guys yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you like mahjong so much then then go play with your friends um make a club and go uh, so go on etsy and find some cool chinese designer or or asian designer i don't know I, I, go see, like raid your grandparents closet or their house they have a set yeah see that's the other thing though like the guy who apparently started this is Filipino. If a Filipino made a, a Mahjong set, is that, that's like the next step, right? Of cultural appropriation. Like, do, yeah. If like, you, you want know. to go by their logic, that's right. Then yeah, he is appropriating Chinese, Chinese culture. It's a Chinese you know? game. It's, it's ridiculous. This, it's kind uh, of annoying to me that Philam see themselves as like the leader of social justice among Asians. Yeah. It's, it's also like curious because I mean, no offense, but you guys also voted Trump. Most of every, every Asian yeah, American. No, no, no. So. Those, those are the those are the Vietnamese Americans. Oh, okay. you, you, oh, got, you guys mixed I didn't, up. I didn't mean to <laughs> erase your group, Philip. <laughs> <laughs> Although I guess you're Canadian, so you're absolved. But sure. um, Vietnamese Americans, yeah, it's <laughs> Filipinos learned how to play mahjong, but they all learned it from the Chinese. Right. Yeah. So, like, I don't know why I don't know why that Chris uh, that Chris dude who writes for GQ wants to like take ownership. Like, like he's so offended that. <laughs> white people also learned it from chinese or i don't know or jewish people or something yeah and then you know like eddie huang got mad at david chang for appropriating a, a chinese sauce and it's just wait what low gamma yeah yeah because david chang came out with this like high-end Ma that sold for like way more expensive and eddie huang got mad at him and he went on his podcast i listened to the podcast it was, a, it was a pleasant discussion but it's that's the road we're headed down you know where 
it's it's it just becomes more and more narrow and it just becomes yeah the thing is those two guys reconcile their shit do you think that like white becky's ever going to reconcile her shit with like whoever lobbed these accusations at her no like, hell no because no, like right they're the, just going to become more and more pissed off at us yeah because mm-hmm. it the because you know like if we're gonna take the example of david chang and eddie wong they're uh, they were probably friends before they at least they're at least professional peers and all that there's no reason for them to really hate each other unless you know they're like bitter rivals or anything but as we said as i said uh with this i think it's like one social group taking out their long-held grievances against another social group which is why reconcil- reconciliation is not the point the bullying the hurt the, like the the humiliation that's the point which is the right. problem and why that that's why nothing productive is gonna come out of it like if it were genuine and they were going to sit down and maybe even work on a great design together, then sure, at least there would be something productive coming out of it. But no, it's going to be like, yeah, we got the apology. We won. We got them back for that time. They refused <laughs> to let us sit with them on the, at the lunch table. I mean, this is going to come up again. We'll, we'll talk about it more. But I think mm-hmm. we, I think that at least like in this one hour conversation, we made a little bit more progress on the topic than anyone ever does on Twitter. So that's mm-hmm. pat, pat on our backs a little bit for that. I yeah, think. I think, I mean, uh, you know, I don't know the solution to this. I think as we talk about it more, we'll stumble upon it. But yeah, I think that's why it's good to just just talk these things through and be like, hey, mm-hmm. you know, what's going on here? Let's, are we, are we going to do this for the rest of our lives? Like, is that really what's going to happen? Or uh, have we said it? deadline like okay we can stop being mad at white people uh at this date that's when like the statute of limitations runs out then it's like yeah. what's that date who determines that date uh i'd like to know you know I yeah think the, the former the tru- is more likely <laughs> yeah i think that the only trouble is that like we're talking amongst three like-minded people like i would love to talk to the blue chucks about this but they don't even want to touch us with a 10-foot pole right so no it's because they hate me and chris <laughs> uh, yeah don't worry they hit you too philip yeah don't feel left out <laughs> Okay. All right. Uh, thanks for joining in, uh, Philip. I hope you have a good time at, at your uh, cottage uh, this weekend. Thank you. Uh, get, catch up on your reading and we'll get you next time. Toodaloo. See ya. Bye. Bye.